Welcome into the bad fan. He has done it. He has done it. The Messi Aya has delivered his promised World Cup trophy to Argentina, and the world has rejoiced. Today is all about the World Cup triumph of Argentina and our favorite bits of the tournament as we bid adieu to the world's biggest sporting event. So join in. Our journey begins right now. We are back with the final World Cup edition of The Bad Fan. I am Cole Carter, and joined with me are Stephen Curl and Brandon Pasnick. Hello, fellas. And we are three soccer fans who have loved getting to share the World Cup with the rest of the world and watching the beautiful game together. And it's all come to a grand conclusion. But, guys, it's good to see you. Stephen, I like your hoodie. Brandon, what jersey are we wearing tonight? Oh, goodness. I didn't know you were going to ask. I am wearing World Cup winners... Germany. It was one they released ah. after they had one, where there's still, like some subtle imprints here. It's really nice and clean. Um, doesn't really fit me anymore, but yeah, it still looks very good. <laughs> hey, that's okay. I've got my Argentina jersey, only the two stars. But hey, I've had this since 2014, so it'd be hard to have a third star on it. And Steven's got... We're not going to look at that. Different kind of podcast. Different kind of <laughs> podcast. That's in our paid subscription. You can check the link below. Anyways, <laughs> everyone knows that this past Sunday, the World Cup final between Argentina and France took place in Qatar. Guys, this one was an amazing spectacle. Everyone was watching. People filled streets. People filled homes together. People were watching on the internet and the hundreds of millions. And this one did not disappoint in the slightest. Brandon, we're going to recap this, and I want you to kind of get things kicked off on the results, how we got to the final conclusion of the game, and everything in between. All right, so I'll stop here and say, spoiler alert, if you did not watch the World Cup, or don't know the final score, or what happened, which I would baffle me, it'd be very surprising if you did not know that. You live under a big, big rock. A huge rock, like Patrick the Star. Um, just pause it now and go watch the game. Um, moving forward, though, there was a penalty in the 21st minute. Usman Dembele playing defense on Di Maria. That's never really going to work, is it? Uh, Di Maria earns the penalty, um, who <clears throat> I did say he might start the game, and he sure did and made an amazing impact. I want to ask you guys, though, before we keep going, was this penalty soft? It was soft by penalty terms, I think. I mean, it, the, in the grand scheme of things, the stage the game's being played on, Dembele's not even that, like, he's not really playing that much defense as a winger. I don't know. It, it was a little soft for me. But, hey, you know, I think the ref overall had a pretty good game, so I'll give him a pass on the night, which I guess I can give a pass on this penalty itself. Yeah, I think the penalty was soft as well, but also I have no pro problem with it. I think it's one of those. I think it's one of those, like, as my dad would say, it's a penalty on principle. Um, right. The positioning of the defender um, and Di Maria, there's certain things you just can't do in a World Cup final. And it's extend your arms and grab somebody's shoulder like that. So it was soft. We've seen that not be called this tournament, to be fair. But, eh. Yeah. I, I agree with you. I think it was it's soft, but 
you could see it being given as a penalty. It was given as a penalty. Um, and there were more penalties in the match as well, which we'll get to. Um, but Messi makes no mistake about it. He scores it, starting the game off hot. Argentina looks really, really good. Um, and then they, they come and find a second goal. There's a beautiful passage of play where Messi uh, has a one-touch pass, I believe, to Alvarez, who passes it up to McAllister, and it's like two-on-one, I believe, and then plus a, a goalie, so two-on-two, two, if you will. Uh, McAllister plays a beautiful ball across to Di Maria and um, puts it in for the goal in the 36th minute. Argentina is dominating, right, Cole? I mean, it was like out of the box, just like Argentina looked like they were the top team. France looked slow. They looked sluggish. They didn't have any connection. Like, they didn't have any threats to goal. Argentina were looking great, strong, and looked cohesive as a team. And France just looked like maybe they were sick. Or maybe, like, again, we don't know these things for sure because they had those storylines coming in with um, Rabio. I think it was Pumacano maybe as well. Um, that were out that semifinal, and they come in this final, and they just didn't look themselves. And France as a whole really, really struggled to be, um, you know, having that pres- that attacking presence. And, uh, yeah, they just didn't look good. But the 41st minute, we saw them make big changes. Dembele and Giroud came off, which to me, I was thinking, oh, my gosh, like what happens if thing- this thing goes deep and you don't have these attacking players? Well, Giroud... Dembele off, and he brings on two threats that actually did make a big change. But y'all's instant reaction to this was what? Um, Dembele, again, like we mentioned in the previous podcast, Dembele didn't show up the last game either, so I wasn't surprised to see him be taken off. Um, Giroud, I was, because what difference does it make subbing them off at the 41st minute than at halftime? I mean, looking back, it didn't make a difference. So why, you know, sort of, I don't, I won't say embarrass him because they're all professional athletes who are trying to win a World Cup, but didn't make a lot of sense to me. I was pretty surprised Giroud went off. Yeah, Steve, we, what do you think? Yeah, we were talking before the show, and I saw a little thing talking about the viruses and the sickness going on in the French locker room. Um, you know, these are things we don't know that affected maybe certain players. Like the Giroud substitute uh, doesn't make sense to me. Um, he even had a header on goal. It was ended up being called for a foul, but I don't think it was a foul. Mm-hmm. Um, but arguably, one of cha- like France's, like, oh yeah, Giroud's a threat in the box and can get up over these Argentine. Like, it's doesn't make sense to sub him off, especially right before halftime. To where, how many times have we seen teams like the United States uh, concede a goal uh, off of a set piece right before half? So it's actually like very shocking to see Giroud get subbed off. I have to think like it has to be injury related, um, which can be tactical too. Um, so injury, sickness, or whatever. But I was very shocked. The Dembele, I was indifferent about. Um, but yeah, Giroud was a shocker for me. Yeah, Dembele actually had a poor semifinal as well. Really didn't contribute to the team much at all either. And Giroud, if he was injury prone, it may have been I think in the semifinal, or it was the England game where he had a kind of like he took a knock on his knee i think in training yeah as well. he, he like got caught in the grass i know in one of the games is potentially could have so you may that mean that knee may have been bothering him um but from then on uh towards the end of the half you know two nil argentina had the advantage going into it um but the second half it took a long long time for the ties to start shifting brandon didn't it yeah the game was really boring <laughs> which i think a lot of people forgot it was very boring after argentina scored 
um, their second goal in the 36th minute. Um, there was not much to talk about, like you like you both mentioned. I was like, it can't be this easy, right? Like, it can't be Argentina coasting to a World Cup. I was like, maybe the sickness got them. We we were texting back and forth during the game. Uh, I know you two were together, probably talking it up as well. I was just really confused. This wasn't the France team we had seen in the tournament this far. Uh, France really looked awful. Um, but all of these thoughts stopped at the 79th minute when Otamendi, <laughs> um, who I guess had a, a good tournament, um, yeah. takes down um, the first half sub, Kolo Muani, in the box. Um, that's a penalty. I think it was a penalty. And yeah. uh, Mbappe puts the penalty away, even though Emmy almost saved it. Um, and from here, you're sort of like, game on, right? Game on. <laughs> I mean, yeah, what, two minutes later at that point, Mbappe comes back again with an amazing goal, takes off the volley very well. So at your point, you're tied 2-2 in the 81st minute, which for me, that's my goal of the tournament, just the stage of it being a World Cup final, taking off the volley with enough power to beat Emmy Martinez, who got hands on both goals, uh, the penalty and the volley. Um, I just think for me to have the awareness, to have the physical ability to do a goal like that in a World Cup final, just pretty incredible. And one of the very few people that could do that had to have been Mbappe on a world stage like that. Pretty incredible. Yeah, yeah. And um, not to make us cry at all, but uh, Mbappe is only 23 years old, so... Um, we, we are behind, ladies and gentlemen. Hey, I scored a heck of a goal in my summer league this past year, so... Heck yeah, you did. Mm-hmm. I'm doing things. He's a, he's a closet striker, that's Steven Curl. Uh, but anywho, there was eight minutes of added time to the end of the game, and I was really thinking at this point, game's tied 2-2, there's another goal in this. I don't know, Steve, are you thinking that? Yeah, I just... I, I was watching the game with Cole, and I, we were going over our predictions. Like, well, I said this. I said three to two. I think Cole's like, well, I said penalties, and I was like, I don't want this game to go to penalties. I actually had work at one o'clock, so I was like, I don't know if I have time for penalties. Like, I gotta go. <laughs> um, so I thought there was gonna be a winner in stoppage time. I really, really did because the game was just it was wide open after that like second goal, and then. You saw the players kind of playing to extra time, so I got upset. But anyways. Yeah. I mean, Rabio had a good chance at the 94th minute, if you remember. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Messi with a shot from outside the box um, that Lloris put over in the 97th yes. minute. So almost, we almost had a winner in, in normal time. Uh, but there wasn't a decider there. Um, yeah, and then Julian Alvarez, first of all, had, had an amazing tournament. Um, yeah, he did. But he got replaced by Lataro Martinez, who then had a great chance in the 105th plus one, so not technically 106, but you know what I mean. And um, do you think he should have put this one away? That was the header, right? That was one that came over the top. He's one-on-one with a defender on his back and kicked it wide. Yes, I do remember that. He was more, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. He was more like concerned with like positioning on the defender than scoring a goal. It was really weird. Yeah, he should have done better with that one, I think. I mean, tough. I mean, if like that's us, we're certainly not putting that on frame probably, but someone with his quality probably should have been doing better with it. He looked him. bad. He did look bad. He just looked uneasy, to be honest. Yeah. Well, he didn't get a lot of minutes after he was taken off. Like, 
as to he was replaced the, the starting role with Julian Alvarez, you know, he didn't really get much yeah. time throughout the tournament. Um, but I will say that Latar Martinez does redeem himself, sort of, um, with a really good run um, and a pseudo assist for Messi, which I call it a pseudo assist because he had taken a shot that was saved uh, straight oh, yeah. to Messi, yeah. and Messi put it away for the goal in the 108th minute. So we'll call it a pseudo assist. And um, that puts Argentina up 3-2. What were you guys' thoughts at this point? I, I I really didn't think it was over, to be honest. Just the way the game was going, it just felt like it had more in it. Obviously, I was rooting for penalties, but that wasn't what I was thinking. I was just thinking, like, because it was wide open at that point, it's extra time. People are tired. They're more likely to make a mistake. Um and I was sort of right. <laughs> um, whether it be, you know, intended or not, there was more in it. But um, no, I, I really thought there was more goals to come from this one. I thought it was, again, I thought it was over. I, I was just wait. I was like, this isn't going to penalties. I kept saying, this isn't like I'm playing my FIFA career right now. Like, <laughs> there has to be some reality. Okay, Messi scored. Argentina is not going to let this slip again. You know, because that's the momentum thing going into penalties. You let the lead slip twice. Like, I don't know, psyche-wise. But I was like, oh, yeah, Messi, he did it. Like, he just put his stamp. Boom. World Cup. Signed, sealed, delivered. But I was wrong. So, And and if I'm French, too, like, having a goal that close. I mean, it went over the line, obviously, very clearly. But I'm saying, like, to have in that manner of just a goal that could have been stopped. Like, if I'm a French fan, like, I would have been devastated if we lost the World Cup by this much. Like that that would be so heartbreaking. I mean it's heartbreaking enough to lose a World Cup, but to have it that, you know, game of inches kind of style would be terrible. So at that point, you have to be rooting for more goals if you're a French fan. And at, at that point I kind of wanted more in it. Yeah, well, I was in the same boat as Steve. I was like, this is just the storybook ending. Like yeah. Messi scores the final goal. It's three two, like I and Steven, I think, predicted. Um and this is it they're in the 108th minute there's 12 minutes left um they just gotta hang on like they won't make the mistake again <laughs> but uh, i was definitely wrong i think steve and i were wrong there obviously because mbappe takes a shot at the other end and de- subbed on defender montiel i think he was subbed on um has his arms out extended while he's trying to defend the shot Come you on, man. you gotta have you, you gotta have more awareness at this stage of the game. Just stand there like this and put your head like it was, like, it was like it was like this. He was flying like this. <laughs> Absolutely ridiculous. Uh, obviously, it's a given as a penalty immediately. Um, and Mbappe steps up as cool as you like and smashes it home into the corner. Three, three. <laughs> I mean, Mbappe Mbappe was just taking on defenders in that second, like the 80th minute on. And there was one point he took on like three or four Argentinian defenders. He didn't get a great shot on goal. It might have been blocked or something. But, I mean, he was feeling himself. He was willing his way back into that game. Yeah, he's really good. And that's I think that's the thing with these the best players in the world is that they cannot be there for 80 minutes. And they they can show up in these just moments, and Mbappe did that this whole entire game. It yeah. was it was phenomenal to watch. 
Um, yeah, like I said, slots home the penalty. It is 3-3. Three, three. Ah, you're like, okay, we're going to penalties, but not so fast. There is a ball that gets played over the top of the Argentinian defense. The Colomani substitute from the first half gets the ball. He's one-on-one with Dibu, Emmy Martinez. The chance of his life to win the World Cup in the 120th plus three minute. And Emmy Martinez comes up with a kick save that would make David De Gea cry. Quite literally saved the game in the final moments for Argentina. Not the first time in the tournament and wouldn't be the last either. Insane. Honestly, having a one-on-one like that, I mean, that ball had pace on it. I mean, you have to react with your feet, which isn't easy the way he extended himself out. I mean, like you said, that would make David De Gea jealous. That makes any keeper in the world jealous, his ability to get that ball away from his goal. I mean, seriously, the game's line. He's the reason why Argentina even had a chance to win this World Cup. Um, yeah, unreal, unreal save. And a guy that you can be proud of, Brandon, as an Aston Villa player and fan together, you guys get to revel in this moment together with that glory. But yeah, insane, insane save. Yeah, good save. I thought it was a goal. I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. It yeah. was absolutely incredible. I, I could not believe the save. Maybe the save of the tournament. I Don't quote me on that. But maybe, definitely for the moment, the the, the biggest save of the tournament. Um, yeah. Also, the fact that the ball didn't, like, deflect underneath his leg and, like, go in or, like, go to a French play. You know, like, it could have gone anywhere and, like – right off of his foot almost like his he was he kicked it yeah, <laughs> it's it a perfect like, a perfect parry yeah insane anywho like cole called it um the game goes to penalties cole I'll let you take it over yeah and the penalties again as that save is made maybe emmy martinez becomes a little bit more confident in his abilities we've seen him before his ability to get into the minds of other players they step up to the penalty spot um, but the first one up is Mbappe for France. And <laughs> Amy Martinez had his number. I mean, he was right there knocking the door with Mbappe, getting hands on every goal, and he almost saves his penalty shot again. However, it doesn't matter if almost, if it goes in, it goes in. So France gets the first goal in. Messi steps up for Argentina and has Lloris stepping the wrong way, and he just cheeky rolls it into the back of the net. But the second French player, Kingsley Coman, comes up and does it. I mean... It wasn't a bad penalty, I don't think. I think it had a little bit of pace on it. Um, it just wasn't placed in the corner enough. But regardless, I think Martinez is making the save anyways. Dives to his right and gets hit like in the chest almost. Um, <laughs> I think it was and makes the save for Coman. Um, and we see our guy, Paulo Dybala, who has not seen almost any time in this World Cup. Comes in close to the end of extra time. I think the 118th minute it was. And comes on. And puts it right down the middle of the goal, which Larice wasn't too far off getting the kick save. Dibal had to hold his breath for just a second to make sure it went in. Um, but we get to see him smile. Um, and then this is the one that really, really, I think, Amy Martinez shined in his ability to get in the players' heads. Uh, this guy <laughs> grabs the ball after um, Dibal's penalty, takes it, kind of plays with it a little bit. Uh, Chuamini is walking towards the goal and just throws the ball to the right probably like 10 yards away, making him think, okay, what am I going to do as he's walking up? And then Chuamini puts this ball way wide of the goal, 
and now France has had two misses. Not a good look if you're trying to win the World Cup in penalties. Paredes gets the goals for Argentina. Cole Moani smashes his goal down the middle. And then the one that matters most, Montiel, the guy who committed the handball in the box to give France their third goal, steps up in the biggest moment of his life, undoubtedly puts it away. Argentina win the World Cup in 2022 in Qatar. Wow. I mean, this this is incredible. The storylines wrote themselves practically every step of the way. The Messiah of Messi bringing it home for Argentina. This The drama, every bit of it culminated in that moment for Montiel, who puts his face into his shirt, tears everywhere, people around the world celebrating. You could hear it in the streets of Buenos Aires. Literally, there's videos of people just walking. You just hear the streets erupting with noise. Um, no moment quite like that. Um, but, man, what a World Cup and. It's just crazy. I mean, I know you guys didn't want penalties, but it's so awesome just to see everyone run together up the field, jumping, dogpiling. Um, pretty, pretty cool. But. Yeah, it was it was awesome to see. But before we get too happy and sentimental, I'll talk about the amazing individual player performances. I got to play Mr. Pessimistic and throw the question <laughs> to you guys. My guy. Um, I would never, right? Let's – Look at the reality. The Ballon d'Or player did not play in this tournament for potentially World Cup favorite. Uh, does France being very banged up heading into the World Cup in this final as well with viruses, flu-like symptoms? You don't know what's going on. Uh, I think Rabio was affected by the vi- like by sickness as well. He's already playing two positions higher than he was supposed to in this World Cup. Um, played 120 or 18 minutes. He got subbed off right before the shootout. Um, no Pogba, no Benzema, no Conte, no no N'Golo Conte. Even though he hasn't been in great form, but yeah, no N'Golo Conte. I'm sure they would. He definitely would be on the team, right? And does this take away a little bit from this World Cup from Argentina when you look at this France squad and you go? okay, well, Benzema would be starting and Giroud would be coming into the game. Or the creativity in the midfield that Pogba has as accordance to, especially with the national team, as to Rabio, I mean, what are we talking about? And Conte and whatnot, does it take a little bit away? I don't know. I say it's, no, but I, you got to ask it. It's hard for me to say it takes anything away because these national teams are so deep, especially the French team. If we're talking about a lower level club or you know nation potentially, but France, as you mentioned, those are some huge names and they have pretty solid names to back them up. You're bringing in Chuamini, you have Kamavinga who is with Real Madrid. These are young guys that are stars in their own right. And then they still got to the World Cup final. So it's hard for me to say, oh, boo-hoo, because they play really well to get to that point. And, you know, sometimes things happen, you get sick, whatever, but they still have really good quality and they still create their chances throughout the tournament, even with those factors against them. So I don't think it takes anything away from Argentina. However, if I'm France, that just makes your expectations going higher moving forward. Let's just say the Euros in 2024. 
Yeah, Brandon? I was going to say, we'll look back in history and no one will remember those injuries or sicknesses. Yeah. Um, but in the t- in the moment, I think I think we can all realize how good of a player Kareem Benzema is. And if we compare Kareem Benzema with Giroud, which isn't really fair, but because Giroud had an amazing tournament, it, it's hard to believe that Benzema would have done less than Giroud, right? I think Benzema would make this French team work better. Even if just Benzema was in, like forget Pogba Conte, just Benzema himself was, yeah. was on the French national team. Definitely would have been a different team. Then there's always the argument, though, that every team has injuries. Um, every team's not 100% healthy, usually. Um, especially in these tournaments. So I don't know. I, I do wish we were able to see Pogba and Conte and, and Benzema, but um, I don't think it really takes away from, from the magic of Messi in Argentina on this run. And it's One a bit timely question. too. I was going to say it's a bit timely as well. Today, as we recorded this, Benzema announcing he won't be playing for the French national team ever again. Wow. wow. That's crazy. Do you think if these players are healthy, I would go out and say, France is back-to-back champions. Yes. Yeah, France has already had the better team, and with them in it, yes, they're they're way better. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's it's hard to not see them being heavier favorites. Obviously, you still have to play the games, but it's hard to not see them be overwhelming favorites. And it's like, not because I just like Ronaldo too. I love Messi. All right, but I'm just <laughs> I'm just asking questions. That's all I'm telling you okay. here to do. I, I like it. I like where your head's at. And you always, we can always count on you to play the pessimist, always backing us up on playing that devil's advocate there. Um, but we will, we're going to heap some praise on Messi just because you said that uh, to make him feel better about what he did. Uh, because <laughs> <laughs> I don't <laughs> think he do needs this, our help. <laughs> I'm going to do this in spite of you. Um, I mean, again, like we talked about it, uh, he showed that character and leadership for Argentina. These guys, this country, I mean, they see him as this figure that is practically godly. It's kind of crazy. Um, the way him and Maradona are revered is just pretty remarkable. Um, but he led his team throughout the tournament. You start off with that loss to Saudi Arabia. And he promised at that point, he told his countrymen to stay calm, relax. We're going to respond. And they responded by winning the whole tournament. He himself had seven goals and three assists, which that is a very high goal count. I think we talked about it earlier in the um, predictions that Harry Kane had six goals, I think, in the World Cup in 2018. And we saw Mbappe and Messi score seven, I think, eight goals. So a lot of goals in this tournament. Some were penalties, but regardless, just their creative ability was something pretty special. Um, he broke the World Cup appearance record. And I think the most remarkable part of this thing for Messi is he played every single minute of the World Cup. That is an incredible way to go out. And I want to talk about Messi and Ronaldo for a second. The way you talk about you know, their careers just kind of being this parallel, you know, race against each other. And to see Ronaldo kind of, in the eyes of many, I don't know if it's how it's going to finish, but to see him kind of pitter out towards the end. And we see Messi, I think this is Messi's peak. He still has his peak abilities. He's still very good. And he's reached the pinnacle of his career. It's pretty remarkable to see that as well. So um, Messi getting it all, getting it all done in the World Cup and um, hard to see him edge out Mbappe who had a remarkable World Cup himself Brandon um, but we can heap him we can give him some praise as well can't we yeah we can definitely give Mbappe some praise but I'm going to put the pause button on that before we get there and I want to talk about Messi a little bit um, he's like an alien he just like <laughs> doesn't he That's moves at a it. different pace 
he's he like sees the game differently. Um, he hardly makes mistakes. I mean, I guess that's the best player to ever play the game for you, but it's it's almost like he he's like like he's heavenly like he's an he's a literal alien not from this earth dropped to play football and that's that's what he does and it's it, it was on full display at this world cup and it was like uh, it it was amazing it was amazing to watch as far as the the messi ronaldo um both different players both hold different uh uh statuses as far as like who they are personally and, and whatnot and i think um either of them wouldn't have gotten to this level without each other um ronaldo's insane work rate to to get to where he is always looking over his shoulder at messi uh messi looking up in a way ronaldo's older than him um so i don't know i think this sort of duality here is cute duality of the fates um like i think it's just amazing. It's just something amazing for us to grow up on and see happen and sort of almost basically end at this world cup for the most part. Um, yeah, it, it, it's amazing. Hey, someone, someone get the flashback reel going, please. I get the tears going real Madrid, Barcelona. <laughs> Rip. No, that's, those were the good old days. And you didn't know we had them until they were gone. It's crazy. to think we had El Clasico's between them. Every yes. year we had just incredible goals between them, moments like Messi holding up his jersey and on Classico. It is crazy to think of kind of where their careers went after they both left their respective clubs. And I don't know, Steve, if you, if you have anything to say, but you were talking about Messi at his peak. Yeah, this is the 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 apex, right? And he's three years younger than Ronaldo. Like, what else can Messi do if he wants to do anything? I mean, oh. he can still win a Champions League trophy this year. But if he does that, or if he doesn't, I would just retire. Call it. Call it. Oh, like, just no, end no, no, it, no, no, you no. Know? I'd love to tell you what Messi can do. And if you like Major League Soccer, oh, are you in for a treat? <laughs> I think Beckham's this, got the flip phone going. This makes the move to MLS. He wants to play in the – I'm not going to – this isn't an MLS podcast. But um, he's talked about wanting to play in the league. He's admired it. Go to MLS. You've already won all the honors you can win. I think it makes a trend. Like, it's not – there's no pressure. You just won the World Cup. Like, Come in, make a paycheck in Miami, play with David Beckham. Who knows? Anyways, but I think if he wins this Champions League, like I don't think it's out of the question for him to go to the MLS next, like for this next season. I'm sorry. Anyways, he he could follow in the footsteps of Gareth Bale Easy. winning the Champions League and then going and winning MLS Cup. <laughs> don't ever say follow in the footsteps of Gareth Bale. I love that man, but don't do that to him. <laughs> I'm just saying he won Champions League with Real Madrid and went on the next season to win MLS Cup. Messi right. could do the same. Enough of this Bale talking. We're not talking about Bale. We're going to move on to Mbappe <laughs> and give him a little bit of praise because what a tournament he had. Yeah. He's Again, he's only 23. He ends up with the golden boot this tournament. Uh, we said it was going to be between him and Messi. Also, can I pause and also say, in our previous podcast, we said the two people, it's going to be between Messi and Mbappe in this final Man. game. And I'm so <laughs> glad it was. I no. mean, it, it, how, Mbappe had a hat trick in the final and didn't win. And didn't win. 
Yeah, you couldn't have predicted that. You could not. Like, what the heck? That. Anywho, Mbappe ends up with eight goals in the tournament. Um, overall, he has 12 World Cup goals at the age of 23. He's tied with Pele overall. Um, for all those who don't know, the record is Miroslav Klose's from Germany with 16 goals in 24 matches played. Um, Mbappe is going to smash that record. He will be obliterating that record. Guys, what do you think? Uh, what do you think the goal tally will be for Mbappe when he hangs up his cleats at the World Cup? 40. 40. He could easily play in three to four more World Cups. Definitely three. I mean, 23, maybe? I don't know. Yeah. That's being conservative. Okay, maybe not yeah. 40. I don't know why I said 40. Maybe 30. <laughs> no, I'll go 30. I'll go 30. Because I, I do think it's going to be that much. I do. Yeah. He's not even in his prime. Yeah, this is a player not. who, like, statistically – physically is not in his prime like yeah 23 you're not in your prime and he's already breaking records like this like you have to assume he's going to get better you look at Messi doing this I think he scored his most goals ever and uh and he has still has the record for most goals in a season was at 55 goals and he did that at in his 30s pretty sure crazy anyways but I besides the point Mbappe is a player who's not in his prime and Given a couple of different circumstances, we could be talking about already a back-to-back World Cup winner. I don't think it's out of the ordinary with a, a country like France, too, and the football factory that they are to producing that talent to serve as this man. This man has been put on a silver platter. Coach Didier Deschamps says he doesn't have to defend. All the other players are just okay with that. Like, <laughs> never have I seen this. Like, he's like, yeah, I'm just not going to defend. Well, just go and score a hat trick in a final. So it's like, if his sole purpose, if he's not taxing himself, not wor- all he's worrying is scoring goals. I don't know. I don't think thirty's crazy. I'll, I'll I'll backtrack ten goals, but I'll say thirty because he is gonna I, smash the record. I made the the comment, Stephen. We were watching together in the World Cup final. I was like, wait, Mbappe's playing defense. Like I saw him track back. I was like, what's happening right now? Something's yeah. wrong. Like, but no. When just- do you have a? When you have a coach, sorry, really quick. When you have a coach on a world in the World Cup and press conferences talking about how a player does not have to go back and defend, that's like press conference suicide for a locker room, <laughs> for a player, for an ego of a player. But it's okay. It's like, and if that's the case, anyways, go ahead, Cole. No, no, no. You're right. It is crazy, and it's just, it's not unthinkable to think if he averages three to four goals and three to four world cups i mean i easily puts him close to 25 goals um which would be that's a that's a long standing record that we could see i mean i don't know who who could replace it's probably a person who hasn't been born yet um i even have the ability to do that i mean the issue being holland isn't playing in world cups and he won't he's the next biggest threat and so it's it's hard to see you know, him even get close to that. So it's going to be someone that we probably have never heard of yet. They're probably playing with three-year-olds. They're learning how to play soccer right now. So, yeah, if he can do that, he'll certainly put his name atop that list. And I don't see it being hard to do, particularly. Um, he could freaking score 10 goals in 2026. So, um, yeah, it's inc- it's incredible what he's done thus far. Yeah, yeah. I, I, all those are great points, and I could not further them more. Uh, again, 
had a hat trick in the final. He's the second ever player to do so. The first was in 1966. Jeff Hurst of England. Does oh, yeah, him. him. Oh, yeah. That guy. <laughs> Jeff Hurst. Okay. Right hey, didn't, didn't, uh, didn't they win it that year, those guys in England? I don't know. Uh, I, I'll have you look that up. But uh, he also has the most goals in a World Cup final. He, he's obviously been in two. Um, he scored one against Croatia. Again, three this time around. Um, I don't know if he'll be in the final. It's hard to get there. But again, like we've said, this France team is so good. Yeah. They're always in and around it. And so he'll probably be in at least one more, I'd say. Um, yeah, I think that number will go up as well. He'll just further his record. Um, yeah, and then I, I guess I'll ask this first question here. Does this World Cup defeat potentially coupled with a failure to win Champions League inspire a move this summer for trophies for Mbappe? It's a tough question. Yeah, uh, I I think so. Um, whether the inspired move happens or not um, is one thing. But I think Mbappe, he won the World Cup at such a young age. And to lose it in as dramatic fashion as he has. And I think Mbappe's already demanded so much from the club at PSG. There's talks about sale of the club, um, which are owned by, um, I think, a Qatari quadrillionaire. Um, So I think given some, like, there's already talks about the sale of the club as soon as the World Cup started. Um, And so, I don't know. I think if PSG, like, crashed out of the Champions League in, like, dramatic fashion, like, I think as Mbappe, you know, we've already talked about the GOAT conversation or whatever. It's, hey, do you want to go probably win Champions League with Real Madrid or probably not Manchester City, obviously, because they have Holland. But I don't know. Some like it's really, yeah, Barcelona, maybe Real Madrid or Manchester United. Probably not anytime soon. Could be Newcastle or or Newcastle, honestly. Um I don't know. I mean, the guy's got to start thinking about trophies. I know he's again. He's only twenty three. Haven't won the Champions League yet. He won't go to the Premier League. It's it's just too competitive. It, it he won't put up the numbers, and I think that's all he's probably chasing now at this point. I mean, he's again not in his prime. What else is he chasing? Yeah. He's the best player in France. Um, I I don't know. <laughs> he's the best player in his age group. Like. I, or in like young player, I don't know. I don't know what else he would he would want. I don't see him moving yet. I still think that he already committed. I mean, again, we know this means nothing pretty much nothing. when contracts and things are signed. However, he did do it at the end of the last season. Um, I mean, we like, we saw Ronaldo at Madrid for ten years, maybe, maybe a little bit more than that. Um, I think he'll stay at PSG for probably a couple more years, and then when things kind of start to unfold a little bit more in the premier league um as well as real madrid barcelona i think there's a little bit of uncertainty surrounding those issues like what is real madrid and barcelona going to do about the super league is that still happening are they going to have money that they can spend like they're all these different things la liga has their financial fair play rules which they've suddenly become very serious about out of nowhere and then yeah premier league it's like well is Newcastle going to become that superpower? Is Man City going to look to like do something with him? So I just think staying at PSG, staying put is probably what's best for him because he is practically the athletic director at this point, it seems. So he is 
maybe behind the scenes calling some shots. I don't know. That's what people like to joke about. But he's probably comfortable being in Paris, being at home. And as long as he can surround himself with people like Messi, like Neymar, he's probably content winning Ligue 1. And as you said, just chasing after that elusive Champions League title. Yeah, another thing too on here, I think I think this is very interesting, the way this World Cup has happened. It's not in the summer, obviously. We're about to start soccer back up again. Champions League is going to be right around the corner. And you have a player that crashed out in tournament in dramatic fashion in Neymar with Brazil. Um, you have Messi who just won the World Cup. And you have Mbappe that just come off a hat trick in a final. And you have all three of these players playing together on PSG. That's scary. It's insane. I think like this World Cup can be, you know, you could easily take it as a motivator to go out there, whether you're playing pissed off or you're like messy and you're like, all right, let's do, let's get Champions League in a few months, you know? Um, is this the year that PSG do it with the talents of Neymar, great tournament, um, Messi and Mbappe? I think so. I think they're winning it this year. Yeah, but you know who they play in the first round? Yeah, after finishing second too. Who the, who was it? It was um they played Bayern. <laughs> a rematch of the twenty rematch final. of the final. That's gonna be a tough game. That's gonna be an awesome watch. But they could they could do it. They could do it. Yeah. Well, Bayern, they just were kaput in the World Cup. I mean, they were utter garbage. So Germany, I mean, obviously not everyone plays for Germany and Bayern, but it could that could be a great, great leg. Um, we'll see what happens. But I feel confident that they'll probably progress um, and make it to a final. I feel like they have enough talent, enough hunger. Donnarumma in goal, and one of the best young goalkeepers in the world. I mean, they have so much talent at PSG. It really isn't fair, but... Anything can happen in this Champions League. We love watching it for that reason because you never know what will happen next. Yeah. Uh, I think we should move on, right? Yeah. Let's sorry to side trip. It's not Champions League time. That was my yeah. bad. Sorry. Jeez. <laughs> not until <Steve>. February. <laughs> but we wanted to look at the tournament overall, our tournament highlights, our favorite moments. Uh, Steve, I'll start with you. What was one of yours? Uh, yeah. I think... I, I actually think uh, Saudi Arabia beating Argentina was just wild uh, yeah. to me. I think it's really cool. Uh, we've talked about the country of uh, Qatar hosting the World Cup. A lot of Middle Eastern Arab countries uh, having being represented more as far as fans attending the World Cup. So it was awesome to see the reaction of the Saudi fans beating the winner of the World Cup <laughs> now that we know that. But um, that was amazing. I I think that first game, I was like, okay, this is going to be a very, very interesting World Cup. <laughs> yeah, I think for me, seeing it was cool to see different representation of different nations be successful, you know, beyond their maybe their past World Cup standards or whatever it was. So seeing Japan, the Samurai Blue got a lot of attention for what they did in this World Cup. Seeing South Korea make it to the round of 16 was special for me. Um, obviously, Morocco being the big name that their miraculous semifinal run. I mean, they topped Group F, which that was a group that we talked about could have gone any which way, had Croatia, Belgium, Canada all in it, and they topped Group F, which is insane. They beat Spain in penalties, which I had, did not have them doing that. Uh, they beat Portugal, who we had high expectations for, and they ultimately like they played a pretty great game against France on their way out, 
Um, but just in general, being the first African team to reach a quarterfinal, let alone a semifinal, uh, and being one of those Arab nations to ever do that as well, uh, Morocco had to been the Cinderella. And, I mean, it's number two story to Messi winning a World Cup, but them probably going that run has to be one of the biggest stories of this tournament, I would have to argue. Brandon, what about you? Yeah, I think I think that's a great one there. Um, Croatia surprising everybody, um, beating again Brazil, the tournament favorite. Um, Uruguay, who we thought was going to be good, uh, maybe had a chance to top the group. Uh, they were bad. They did not make yeah. it out of the group. <laughs> they were not. Couldn't score very, goals. They couldn't. They couldn't. Uh, and Darwin Nunez, who I said in a previous podcast might win the golden boot if they went far like we were hoping they would yeah i don't know if he even ended with a gold <laughs> um, so i was wrong there but also like the kid i'm wearing germany they weren't great either were they i mean they just really let us down in a lot of they played great against spain in the group but they didn't mm-hmm. make it out of their group and they just did not look good germany sort of one of those teams we talk about france having players out i mean timo Werner getting hurt right before the tournament but it's just again these teams are too good to not perform uruguay had suarez and cavani and nunez and they couldn't i don't think they scored any goals maybe it was an own goal or something they scored i can't remember and then germany just has way too much talent this team two world cups in a row and the euros have disappointed severely playing way below their capabilities and it's just, it's so hard to, I mean, <laughs> I guess it's predictable now because it's a pattern, but it's just, it doesn't make any sense why they can't actually get out of their groups. They have too much talent to do that. Yeah. Rudiger is now a uh, high stepping all his way uh, back home after that. <laughs> you guys remember that, that like weird taunting, like, what was he doing? Yes. Um, so I do bad. Remember that. It was so silly. Hmm. I guess this is one I think we're going to get into uh, another podcast about, but the United States, they made it to the round of 16. I think we sort of expected this, but they did it. And um, I wouldn't say convincingly, um, but he always felt like we had control. I don't know if that's a good thing. I don't know. Maybe I'm completely wrong. I'm probably going to offer differing opinions on our U.S. podcast when we get to it. But I'll save that for them. Yeah, That's U.S. Awesome. made the round of 16. That's amazing. Yeah, That's crazy. Think- we weren't in the last World Cup, in case anybody doesn't know that. Um. Yeah. <laughs> I was also looking at this thing. I think it made its rounds on Reddit. I found it on Twitter. But it was saying age per, like, minutes played. The U.S. had, it was, like, 24.1 like, was the average age. It was the lowest age, but, like, two years. So we we fielded the second youngest roster but played the youngest team um, per minutes played this World Cup, which was by, by a like, good amount statistically, which is crazy to think, like, we made it to the round of 16. We're going to be on home soil, or sort of home soil, next World Cup. Like, what can this team do? So we're going to get into that in our next podcast. But, um, yeah, we look great until the Netherlands. Uh, there were some friendly faces that we already mentioned and one other that we didn't steve um that that were missing this world cup who was it oh yeah uh senegal uh the man the myth the legend uh sadia mane has to be the biggest bummer uh to miss out on the tournament Uh, giving me major most vibes for egypt um the world cup prior um 
just a talisman of that Senegal team that won Af- the African Cup, correct? Yeah, yeah that's one the whole reason why they're in the World Cup. Yeah, so it's super sad to not see him in there. Personality, ability, um, yeah, super super sad to not see him. We talked about Pogba, talked about Benzema, Conte, um, for the Miles France, Robinson for the yeah Miles Robinson. <laughs> um, I mean for the U.S. men's team uh, <laughs> playing for Atlanta United. Um, it's a bummer to see him not make that roster too. So. Sad to see it. God, it's just got to be tough. Like hearing you say Cole Benzema retiring from international football. Uh, I mean, watching your team lose the final and just being like, all right. I'm not. I'm, I'm not <laughs> God dang. Like, uh, how do you just not have empathy for that? Jeez. Uh, yeah. So these injuries sometimes are these guys one chance. Like, who knows how. Pogba, I mean, it'd probably be his last World Cup, maybe. I don't know what the next four years holds for him or if Conte. he even plays soccer ever again. I don't know. It, I mean, yeah, these are these are questions that I mean, you don't know if these guys are gonna be able to come back for the next go around. So um a little, little sad section of the podcast. In mem- in memoriam right there. In the <laughs> make make the edit, Cole. Make the, the edit. <laughs> well, there's guys that missed on the World Cup, and there's guys that took advantage of the World Cup. And this is kind of one quick segment about guys who maybe earned a level up transfer. Guys who are going to be hot on the transfer market. Guys who have maybe been looked at for a while, but proved in this month uh, tournament that, hey, we're deserving of a place to get our proving grounds, get our money, get everything that we're worth. And I'll start with Josko Gavardio, the guy from RB Leipzig and the Croatian center back who had a pre-World Cup value of around 60-ish million. Um, that number will definitely take a tick up after his impress- impressive performance for Croatia. Um, Leipzig weren't anxious to move on from him in the summer, uh, but now with many top clubs looking to improve their defense, whether it be in title races um, or just looking to spend money because that's what clubs do now. Uh, teams, tops, like, maybe. teams like Tottenham and Chelsea, I know have them at the top of their list, uh, but it just depends on who has the biggest wallet. I'm sure we'll probably see him get close to or potentially exceed $100 million just because there's going to be a lot of people looking at him. That's only going to drive the price up. Um, another big name for me, at least, is Jude Bellingham, the English midfielder and from Borussia Dortmund. Um, the young Englishman has been destined for a big move for a long time. Um, we've seen this for the past year and a half or so. Um, he finally got his first goal as an English uh, player in the World Cup of all places. So he played a big key role for England, and he's only 19. This kid's only 19, which is so crazy. He's got great size, <laughs> great great physical ability, um, can obviously command that midfield, which is what a lot of teams want, particularly Liverpool. Um, Real Madrid are potentially in the race. Man City and Chelsea are kind of in the shadows lurking. But again, this is a guy that's going to fetch $100 million, I feel like, with ease. And he's definitely going to get that English premium as well. Um, so I'm probably going to see him get that move to Liverpool just because I think they've probably been looking at him for the longest. He'll get to stay close to home. And just getting to play in the Premier League will be huge for him, I'm sure, as a young English guy. Um, but what about you guys? Who do you think has deserved the next level up transfer after this 2022 World Cup? You go ahead, Steve. I actually, and this just came to me. It's not on our list here. Um, Brandon, plug your ears. Amy Martinez. I mean, this a is a guy. Uh, yeah, rumors. there's been some this, rumors. 
this is a guy that just won the World Cup in as a dramatic fashion as you can. Great tournament um, and tons of people's best 11s, which we'll get to in a little bit. Um, and kind of just has come out of nowhere in the past couple seasons for Villa. Uh, making the move from Arsenal to Aston Villa has just played lights out. Earned national team call-ups, locked down the keeper role, won Copa America, won the World Cup. Like, I yeah, I think I could easily see um, maybe a La Liga team coming in for him or another team in the Premier League, but maybe not. I don't know. Um, but yeah, a move maybe this summer. And I think Villa is a club that maybe would be keen to sell in the 70, 80 million dollar range. I don't know. Maybe not 80, but I mean, the way prices are going for players nowadays, I mean, who's to say? Who's to say? But yeah, maybe that would be uh, Newcastle. Maybe they want to split on a keeper. Sure. Yeah. I mean, that's a team. I really quick, like two second and little like sidestep. Right. <laughs> Cole and Brandon are here right now. So listen, people that own these clubs just wake up and piss gold. Uh, I mean, they have so much money. It's like a hobby to them. Like this is kind of fun. I do this. Um, and it doesn't matter the price tag for players as long as the team wins because they want that. Anyways, um, so price tags don't matter to me personally. I don't know about those two guys. They can't hear us right now. Um, but, yeah, so I wouldn't what? say <laughs> – Can I come back I w- in? Yeah, I can come back in. I'm sorry. Um, but, yeah, $70 million, move to Real Madrid, confirmed. Wow. Mm. He was He's rumored already with Juventus, so – that could be that actually makes well. a little bit of sense. Chesney getting older. I, I don't see that being an issue. Anyways, Brandon. Um, I'll bounce it back to you after I give a couple, because I think you have a couple to say, but I think the guy we've already really talked about in previous podcasts is Cody Gakpo left winger plays for the Netherlands plays for PSV, not PSG PSV 23 years old. Um, he was rumored with Manchester United this summer and he's lit up this year. Every single tournament. Um, I mean, I think, what did we say? He has 30 goals already this year in like all competitions, something crazy like that. Um, I mean, he's flying this year. He had a really good tournament as well. Um I just think he would actually cost close to 80 and I don't know who's going to pay that. I mean, Manchester United, they're always going to have their name in the hat, but I mean, could a Tottenham use another winger who can play striker? Um, possibly. Um, yes. <laughs> but it'll probably end up being like Real Madrid. I think they're the favorites to get him, but he'll definitely be moving. I don't know if that's this January um or if that'll be uh in the summer but definitely the summer if it's not you know in the next month but cody gakbo's one borna sosa one probably people don't know left back for croatia he currently plays for stuttgart 24 years old um he's actually rumored to go to villa this summer but he had a really 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 good tournament for croatia he's sort of like your modern day fullback where he has a ton of energy can get up and down really technically sound um, and he's one of Croatia's best players this tournament. So I see him definitely taking a step up at some point soon. Um, 
And then, yeah, Sofian Amrabat, uh, defensive midfielder for Morocco. He currently plays at Fiorentina. Uh, he's 26 years old, I think, is my personal opinion. I think he's too slow for the Premier League. Um, but he did have an amazing tournament, and he's part of the reason why Morocco got so far. Uh, I'm really not sure what team he would go to, but I think there's definitely a move coming in in the near future for him. So could see yeah. that for sure. Bouncing, he's been a hot, he's been a hot name hopping around these places recently. Exactly, bouncing that. it back down to Steve. You got some more on there. Yeah, you know, we'll talk about my favorite team to play within FIFA, the U.S. men's national team. Um, Tyler Adams. This one's a little tricky because you have these players that kind of just arrived at these clubs um, and have a phenomenal tournament. Tyler Adams's name has been thrown around uh, along with other U.S. men's national team players like Yunus Musa in the midfield. Um, and even Anthony Robinson, too, from uh, Fulham. Uh, but, yeah, you know, Tyler Adams is a guy. He's – I can't believe he's only 23. Uh, standout at lead so far this season has – he's a fantastic locker room guy. I think that's almost half the appeal. Maybe half of it's the ability. The other is the personality, the leadership, the effort, like just everything about Tyler Adams and his character – is a dream to have as a team just plug a guy in consistent and just doesn't ruffle any feathers um played solid teams for his men's national team he came in for 17 million uh pounds this summer and let me tell you one thing he's worth a lot more than that uh yeah maybe double that price tag um because he could move I don't think in January, obviously, but he could move this next summer uh, and have and a short. Leads could go down. So. And leads could go down. That's the biggest, honestly, the biggest indication of probably if he does move on from the club. Because I think if Leeds stays up, I think he's more likely to stay. That's just kind of how it works. But um, if they go down, he could be, you know, luxury that they can't afford and actually could make some money off of. Um, and this one's kind of a little silly. I don't know. Richarlison, Tottenham. Uh, <laughs> we just bought it. For, listen here. Will you listen here? I'm not talking <laughs> about immediate moves. I'm barely listening. <laughs> listen, okay? I'm a professional, Cole, and I will be treated as such. I'm listening. Yeah, I'm thank laughing. You. I'm listening. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Rashad assuming just bought for 58 million um, whew, euros from Everton, a deal <laughs> up to 58 million from Everton. Wait, but, should, I, should I return the Richarlison jersey I got you for Christmas then? Oh, oh, because <laughs> no. we're gonna win Champions League this year, it's gonna be worth a lot. I'll, I'll, I'll put it on the wall. Um, no, I don't know, man. It's it's Tottenham, Tottenham does random stuff all the time, and honestly, Richarlison, it. I honestly don't think he – for some reason, I don't know how he's like in the clubhouse, but I can easily see this be a thing of him getting pissed off that he's not playing football for, for Spurs. This whole coming off the bench as a substitute thing with Kulisevsky and whatever, and I know he's hurt right now. Um, yes, I know he's hurt. Uh, this isn't an immediate thing, but I think the World Cup will have impact on his future transfer. Less of an immediate thing, but I think this World Cup has had an impact on him being the top player for Brazil in the striker position. Gabriel Jesus can't even touch him. Um, but I thought that was interesting. But, you know, anyways, Cole, you can come back in. Yeah, it's not happening. Uh... <laughs> he did have the goal of the tournament, in my opinion, though. 
That's fair. Yeah. No, I think that goal was insane. That goal really was awesome. I no, I I think the way Tottenham have invested in their team this season, I feel like it feels like a little bit more of a long haul with him. Um and we've desperately needed a, we've des- desperately needed a second number nine for a long time that we could count on that's dependable. And he definitely delivers in that. Obviously, he was hurt before the World Cup, got healthy for the World Cup, and he's going to come off of it injured again, um, which kind of hampers a little bit of maybe even getting to play, which sucks. But no, I don't. I feel like he's really, really well liked in the clubhouse. Fans adore him. He's one of the, the nicest people. Um, he's very charitable back home in Brazil, giving away like a large percentage of his salary just to take care of young people in Brazil. I don't see him moving from Tottenham. I like even if he that, even but... if next season, next season, he's not in the starting 11. He doesn't want to be a second number nine. He wants to be the number nine for a top Champions League club. He the fact that he's even getting to play Champions League football with Tottenham <laughs> is huge for him. <laughs> I'm telling it's you, huge. after the season, and after he's, his... getting, he's getting good playing time. Even when he was before he was injured, he was getting pretty solid playing time. I don't think he'd be looking to move at all, personally. I feel like he's going to be at the club for at least three years before anything is talked about with him. Well, bookmark it. We're on episode 600. Sounds good to me, <laughs> mate. Well, <laughs> if you want to talk about him in a second, you can. We're going to talk about the best 11 um, from this World Cup. This will be our last segment of the day. As we look from goalkeeper to defensive players to the midfield to our best striking attacking players, we'll give our best 11, maybe a little bit of debating in between here and there, but we're going to get kicked off with the goalkeeper, which I believe belongs to the Argentinian winning goalkeeper, Emmy Martinez. For me, I just see him, his saves he made in major, major penalty shootouts, not really having a lot of action between the 90 minutes between the sticks, but really what he did in extra time and penalties for me is what solidifies him as the best goalkeeper in this World Cup. Because without him, Argentina probably doesn't win that World Cup without that 120th minute save in my eyes. What do you guys think? Couldn't have said it better. Emmy Martinez for me as well. You know, Cole, you're going to have really a lot of fun with this edit. Um, I want a whole, <laughs> like, what was Steven on this podcast? Because, <laughs> listen, the man faced... 14 shots on goal and let in eight goals. That those are those are facts. Had a save rate of less than 500. Um, I'm gonna do. I'm okay with it because of the dramatics. I'm okay with it. I'm not gonna. I'm because of the dramatics. Those can't be not mentioned. Obviously, uh, what he did is absolutely insane and did it twice in a World Cup. Um, but we gotta talk about this Croatian goalkeeper as well, Dominic. Lakovic, um, I believe. Lakovic. Uh, yeah, you know. Um, <laughs> led the tournament in saves. 24 saves. 31 shots on goal. He had a save percentage of 774. That is absolutely wild. Three clean sheets. Um, allowed seven goals in the tournament. And, you know, 24 saves. That is absolutely insane. Um, and also... We talked about Martinez kind of ascending to this, and I think uh, Lakovic, what is he? What is the team he plays for? Plays for Dynamo Zagreb. Dynamo Zagreb. Lon- London foes who have beat Tottenham, Arsenal, and Chelsea. <laughs> this is a guy that you know mentioning in that tr- earned a transfer move. 
Yeah, 24 saves in the World Cup will do it. Honorable mention, I still think it's Emmy Martinez. I'm okay with it. But um, that's when something like intangibles that you talk about and just what Emmy Martinez brought to the Argentinian team and uh, saving those PKs was just insane. But hey, I, honor, I honorable it. mention. I yeah. respect it. I respect Great it. shout. Also, Hugo Lloris had a really good tournament. It's true. Yeah. Unfortunate for him. I mean, he had the chance to become the first player to captain back-to-back World Cup winning teams. Obviously came just short, but definitely a good mention as well. On the left-back position, I think two names we have here. For me, I look at Theo Hernandez, who came in for his injured brother who got hurt the very first game of the World Cup. He actually became one of France's best threats in the attacking position, uh, bombarding that left wing, uh, scoring that acrobatic goal in the semifinal against Morocco. Um, for me, I just feel like the way he came into this World Cup, being the number two, but then being thrown in the fire, suddenly becoming the starting left back, I think deserves some sort of credit, some sort of, I don't know, obviously being in the best 11. So for me, that's who I would throw in there. I don't know if you guys follow, agree, if you had someone else in mind, but for me, I had to see Thea Hernandez on the list. Yeah, uh, I agree. Uh, you know, there is even Perisic, but, you know, the, the question is left back, not Swiss Army knife. Um, and even Perisic yeah. plays all over the damn field. Uh, left wing, midfield, left back. Striker. <laughs> yeah, striker for Tottenham. Um, so it's crazy. So I'll go with Theo Hernandez, but Perisic was. And doing it like 34 years old <laughs> is pretty impressive. Oh, 100%. Yeah, I think the dramatic fashion of Tio Hernandez coming in for his brother who got injured in the first game, like that's just sort of crazy. And had a really, really good tournament. I'm not mad at that shout, but I think even Perisic could go in here as well. Um, three assists that really helped get Croatia to where they got to. Um, also, Borna Sosa, who played left back. I don't know if he, I thought he was playing right back this tournament, but I think I was wrong. I think he was playing left back uh, for Croatia, could also be in here, but Tio Hernandez. We'll slap him there. Uh, I think the unanimous center back, Jasko Gvardiol. Uh, I mean, we already talked about him at pretty good length. I think it's pretty pretty solid right there to have him as one of the best 11. But who would his partner be? We have Romain Saiz from Morocco and Christian Romero, the Argentinian, the World Cup winner versus the semifinalist. I think a lot of people would have Saiz. Uh, Christian Romero, though, plays some unconventional style of defense, as we know. Very aggressive, but... But his, yeah, he, I think he played really well. I think him and Otamendi are a good partnership. Um, but if you had someone else playing alongside Otamendi, I don't think Argentina would have progressed deep in this World Cup without him. So I'll be nice to the Moroccans and give them uh, Roman Saiz. But I think Christian Romero did have a great World Cup. Yeah, yeah I don't, I, go I was going to say, I don't know who to put here. Um, I see both sides, both had really great tournaments. Um, you know, Roman Saiz sort of being a rock at the back for Morocco. Um, but yeah, I don't think, again, Argentina win if Christian Romero's not there and sort of leading that defense. Um, that's tough. I'll put Roman Saiz as well. Yeah, I'm cool. That Something funny I saw on Twitter the other day was uh, about Christian Romero. I was talking about him. Uh, also, the, a conventional play style is just being physical and hurting the opponent and kicking the crap out of them. <laughs> Yeah. Um, but he even does that Pretty to much. his own players. Amy Martinez one time, uh, I think it was in maybe one of the group stage games, had a save, um, and he's on the ground holding the ball, waiting for time to go, and Chris Romero just comes up to him and just kicks him in the chest. 
and just like kicks him while he's on the ground in like a celebratory fashion. Just goes and kicks him pretty hard too. Um, so you know, honorable shout out to Christian. It's sort of like him kicking and screaming where he kicks. The, he sees the kids kick his shins or the parent kick kick his son's shins, yep. and then yeah. he tries to do it. <laughs> It hurts. Yes, he, absolutely. He loves. He's got the tough love. He's always slapping people on the heads when they score. Yeah, chill out. No, dude. I I love him so much. He's so fun to watch play. He's great. Uh, the right back position, I think, again, kind of unanimous here. Akraf Hakimi, the Moroccan player, really again leading uh, Morocco. Him having that game-winning penalty, Paneka, uh, pretty incredible with him. Yeah. Hold his ice. The young guy. I mean, this is a guy, Stephen. You and I, as Tottenham fans. I would spend 125 million pounds on this guy to come play t- for Tottenham. And I know it's oh. never going to happen, but just like. Oh, let's he play right he, back? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah I will. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's the thing. Like a player like him could totally change that look of a club. And he obviously did that for Morocco in this World Cup. So I think pretty unanimous to have him on the best 11. Um, and Real Madrid guys, let him go, right? Yeah. Yes. Well, like, sure. Yeah. I mean. Not not a big transfer. I don't think it was. Mm-hmm. Um, just Anyways. surplus, you know, no big deal. Just surplus, as you can do. Uh, Safian Aramava is our defensive midfield starting eleven of the World Cup. A guy who impressed, um, just commanded the midfield for um, his team. And yeah, I don't know if you guys have much to add about him, but a guy who we talked about maybe getting a big move because of his performance in this World Cup. Yeah, I think Declan Rice, and I know we've mentioned Tyler Adams as well. Um, but no, you have to give it to Amrabat for for his performances. He's phenomenal the whole World Cup. Yeah, and even talking about potential moves, I, I know we, we have Jude Bellingham, you know, maybe going to Liverpool. I feel like he kind of fits that Liverpool mold, honestly. Um, defensive midfield, they have what, Fabinho. They need some, probably a defensive midfield i don't know i don't know i feel like it's a liverpool buy to buy somebody from an obscure uh kind of like they did with darwin nunez like background kind of bring him in kind of high transfer fee but nothing like in the hundreds like the rest of the clubs anyways maybe maybe we'll see um and then we'll move on to the central midfield position with luca madrid getting into the the, uh, best 11 a guy who has been here before. He won the Golden Ball in 2018 for what he did to Croatia, leading them to a finals appearance. Um, he's done it again. He creates. He gets in great uh, attacking positions. He's the engine for Croatia. Without him, that team could not tick. And so, yeah, he gets to be in the World Cup best 11. Uh, I think he's, what, 36 now, guys? I can't remember for sure. Um, so. He says he is going to continue to play for Croatia. Um, maybe we'll see him in the Euros potentially if he can leg it out. Um, but this might be one of the last times we see him in a major tournament. And so he gets to go out on top with Croatia in the best 11 of the bad fan world cup edition. Um, and that attacking mid position, Brandon, who do you think is a good fit there? I was thinking about all the people that could go into this position and it really only has to be one guy. It's, it's a name I wouldn't have thought we would say when we first started this World Cup, but it's Antoine Griezmann. I mean, what a tournament he had. He didn't end up playing a big role uh, in the final, but throughout the whole tournament, I think he was just so, so good. And just the way he can adjust to that role. I mean, he's normally a striker. I mean, or a forward yeah. of some sort. And him being able to play that, midfield role and he's taking it out wide and crossing in i mean he's 
he's phenomenal. It was what a great tournament from him. So some blind balls too, man. I think at yeah. the one he put on Giroux's head, just no one else could have gotten except Giroux. It was that perfectly well placed. Um, definitely a great shot to have him in the starting 11. Yeah. Steven, anything to add? Not. He's good. He's good at Fortnite. Good at Fortnite. No Fortnite dances. We did see him do the waddle. That was kind of fun to see. I think him <laughs> and was it Hakimi did it, I want to say. Uh, awesome. But his teammate, Kylian Mbappe, obviously the golden boot winner, uh, one of our attacking positions, finds himself in the best 11, having eight goals, uh, a freaking hat trick in the World Cup final. <laughs> it's so I mean, funny to say. It's just like, what? <laughs> That's and so losing. crazy. What? And um, young kid. He's going to be probably in a couple more World Cup best 11s and certainly more throughout his career. Um, one of my accolades. But got to have him in here as long as well as the World Cup champion, the Messiah, the man, the one, the only, Lionel Messi. Uh, what a World Cup for him. Seven goals and three assists leading Argentina to their first World Cup title since Maradona did it for his country. Uh, pretty remarkable run. Uh, for the GOAT, now many are labeling him, uh, makes it into our best 11. And then the last one, maybe a little room for debate here um, in the striking position, Steven. Who would you label as the best 11 striker for the bad fan? Yeah, I would say uh, the objective answer across the board is Julian Alvarez. But I think what was really sad to see Giroud getting subbed off so early in that final because I really just wish – I wish he got to play the full game just to see – I mean, he, he might come up with a goal, who knows, but – um, he had a great tournament as well. Um, but yeah, Julian Alvarez, also a surprise of the tournament. I think um, Man City's pretty happy about that. So, but anyways, Julian Alvarez had a fantastic, fantastic tournament. Yeah, I think I'll land on Julian Alvarez as well. Not expected to start, like we said earlier in the pod. Um, comes in and is up there as one of the top goal scorers in the tournament. Um, worked really, really well with Messi. Um, yeah, again, made this Argentina team click and take off. Um, didn't start that first game against Saudi Arabia. I think, I believe he started the second and started every game from there on out and they were good from there on out. <laughs> um, so definitely Alvarez and Man City has an issue, uh, on their hands. <laughs> I mean, I guess it's a good issue to have. It's a great issue to have, but do you take World Cup winner Julian Alvarez and start starting him over um <laughs> what do you what do we even want to call Holland? I mean, Jesus. Oh, man. Like, <laughs> I mean, or they can play now he, Pep can play a four four two or an assortment. Time to change know, that formation, maybe. He can Julian Alvarez can play in a second striker like he sort of did in this. I I don't know, but yeah, to answer this, I think it's definitely Alvarez Giroux a close second. I love it. I love it. Well, guys, that pretty much wraps things up. That's our best 11 of the World Cup tournament in Qatar. The year 2022, we covered everything uh, from the final to big transfers to so much in between. I uh, really can't thank you, the listener and viewer, for making it this far. Um, what a tournament. It's sad to say goodbye, but, you know, it's amazing, amazing thing we get to see happen. The history, the uh, amazing goals, the volleys, the bicycle kicks, everything in between. It was definitely a remarkable tournament. Um, definitely doesn't go without saying. The things surrounding it maybe weren't always the best, um, but it was certainly one of the most memorable tournaments um, in our time. So thank you for supporting our coverage of the World Cup this year. Um, we're back with the Premier League as it kicks off on Boxing Day. Gosh, we can't wait. Brandon's been talking about how uh, the Carabao Cup's back. 
Uh, we'll surely be talking tomorrow. about the U.S. Starts tomorrow. We're <laughs> back with uh, the U.S. Men's National Team's time and guitar. Um, we'll cover that soon. You know, the, the highs, the lows, the expectations, everything in between. We'll make sure to give you guys coverage on that. And of course, of course much, much more uh, from the soccer world like the Champions League coming in February. So huh, let's take a breath. Becoming a bad fan is easy. And please do it today. All you got to do is subscribe to the channel. Click the bell notification below this video to stay up t- updated every time we post. If you like what you heard, leave a like. Drop a comment. We want to hear your thoughts on what we said today. And, uh, you know, leaving a like makes us feel good inside as well. Um, but last but not least, interact with us on Twitter and Instagram with your biggest reactions. You can find the links to that in the description below this video. Well, we have been Cole Carter, Brandon Patesnick, and that has been Stephen Curl. Enjoy the holidays, everyone, from here at The Bad Fan. Until the next one, peace out. <laughs>